0: Hello and welcome to episode 2 of Inside Telly, a podcast where we discuss the best telly shows and films with the creators or actors starring in them. For today's episode I'm delighted to say I'm joined by Breaking Bad star Charles Baker to discuss the highlights of his career before finding out more about his upbringing and favourite shows and people on the telly growing up. Hi Charlie, thanks very much for jumping on the show. Really appreciate it. How are you doing?
1: I'm great, Mick. Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: Not a problem at all. Absolute pleasure to have you on. Like I said, uh, before we get stuck into everything, all the questions I've, um, I've got for you, what have you been up to recently?
1: I have been sitting around, waiting for for work to get kicking back in after the holidays and the strike and um, all the stuff that's been going on lately. Um, I. I auditioning you know what actors do it's my one of uh one of my favorite parts of actually being in this job is getting the chance to audition um and so I've been doing more of that uh lately and getting ready for a new year hopefully a better year
0: (laughs) oh yeah but I mean the whole actors strike and stuff I think that's um I guess someone who it doesn't matter if you're established in the in the acting world or not. I think it, it's it has the same effect on everyone, doesn't it? I guess.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, even the viewers eventually, because you know we stopped making stuff for a long time, and um, you know, there's there's a little bit of an overlap. We you know we filmed stuff early and then then release it later, so it didn't seem like anything stopped for a while while it was stopped. But now people are like, hey, where's this? Where's my new episodes? Um, <laughs> And so we haven't been able to make them yet. Um, and what we have been able to make still is to be, you know, finished. And, um, so yeah, it's, it's been rough, uh, for everybody, but we, we made it through
0: and so moving on. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think it's, yeah, glad it's over, I guess. And you can get stuck back into, into doing the stuff that you, that you really gifted that, which is, which is, um, so before we get stuck into, of course, Breaking Bad, of course, uh, Mandalorian, a few other bits in there. I just wanted to ask you a little bit about your childhood because what this show right. is about is more like the the story behind the actors and what kind of dri- uh, drove them when they were kids and stuff. Um, in terms of what they liked, which we'll get to at the end, in terms of those questions. But in terms of your your childhood, then, um, you're born in Washington DC, and your your yeah. dad was in the army, so you 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 were moving around quite a lot. So how was how was all that for you growing up?
1: it was it was strange um uh there's military brats kids who were born into that kind of lifestyle are, are considered a um kind of a secret society um uh they're nomads american nomads we travel around the world growing up um and we we see the world in a different way. We were raised in a different way. A lot of times on military bases, where um, we have to follow a lot of military protocol, just as much as our parents do. Um, and there's a interesting uh, sense of patriotism you're you're raised with. Um, and like I said, you get to see the world um, sometimes a little more than you want to. <laughs> um, but it's uh, it was it was challenging um, my parents were divorced and so while my dad traveled around the world my mom um, she traveled a lot too but not for the same reason she she was um she was kind of poor um and it was just me and her um and she's had to work a lot and a lot of times you know she'd get evicted from one apartment we'd have to move across town and i'd have to change schools and um so I had kind of two different worlds where i both of them were very unstable but for totally different reasons um and so as far as acting goes how that relates is a lot of my life i would move to a new town and i would as a survival technique i would have to assimilate I would have to, you know, learn the new dialect and learn the trends and learn the the particularities about that community, so that I could blend in as fast as I could, and avoid um, that as much as that of that strangeness of being the new the new person in town, um, and that happens, you know, twice a year for me. As on an average, I move to a different place. Um, and it, so it was really, uh, it was kind of an education for being an actor, um, <laughs> in a way. And it's, uh, to me, it seems like this being an actor was the inevitable conclusion, um, of the way I was, it was raised, um, and it seemed to work out kind of perfectly for me.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause like you said, in a, in a weird way, that's probably helped you, um, like shape those, like those, those acting, those acting skills, and, and put you in good stead. Yeah. And, you know, in a in the probably one of the weirdest ways possible, because I guess other people <laughs> might might have that happen to them, and it might be too much of a negative for it to give them no, that uh, inspiration or ga or um, the guidance that they need to go on to yeah. do, to get into acting, which is a really yeah. difficult business to get into.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: um, yeah, it's
1: there's, it's a fight. Um, you have to be just to be in this business, you have to be pretty thick skinned. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm not very thick skinned. So I have to uh, constantly be working towards um, preserving my sanity, sanity, and uh, maintaining my, my, what little sense of self esteem I, I have for myself has to be um, maintained uh, for the public. I um, so that I don't shoot myself in the foot, you know what I mean. Um, which is a habit I had as a kid. I would constantly tell people I wasn't good enough, and that's why I'm not doing this. I, you know, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. And somebody went, "Well, when you do it, you are." So like, you're you're selling yourself short, and you're just telling people, "Hey, I shouldn't hire you." Um, and so I hadn't learned from that, and um, it's just uh, this is what I've yeah, it's what I've become. You know, we're, We are a product of our environment, and our, my environment kind of pushed me in this direction, I, I think, um, as opposed to a life of crime.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, massively, and I think it's a testament to, I guess, like you said, if you have those doubts within yourself, to have the mentality to overcome those and, and to get to where you've, the, the roles that you've been in, which is incredible, and I think it's something that you, it's, I guess maybe not now, but I mean you can still be proud of it. But I guess when you look back, maybe when you're a little bit older, you can sit back and tell your grandkids or whatever <laughs> if you um about what, what you got up to and the roles you played and stuff. And I think it's yeah. something that you can yeah. you can be massively proud of. And I guess we can go straight into one of those roles because right. I was gonna leave breaking bad to the end, but it's just it's too good not to do first, of uh, course. Right it's, it's it's too good. Um and of course you played the legendary skinny Pete in skinny in Pete. that in that show one of the two best hitmen, um, Western Mississippi, um, <laughs> which I found out recently as I was watching a few, just kind of, I've watched breaking Bad probably seven, eight times right through, but just mm-hmm. watching clips back, I always, it always makes me, makes me laugh when, and whenever the, there's a scene with you in, um, one of the top comments is that's always one of the top comments. One of the, one of the two best, um, hitmen, West of the Mississippi, of course, in in relation to that scene with the Schwartzers and the, and the laser pointers. Right. Um, how do you, how do you feel about all that now cuz it, it does feel a bit scary that it came out 16 years ago 16. now yeah um, how do you feel about it all knowing that? for me it's my favorite tv show and it probably will be forever and i imagine that is the same for a lot of people but how do you yeah. feel about people like feeling like that about something that you play the part in it must feel incredible it's it's amazing i mean it was It's what every
1: actor really strives for, Um, because, like, in a lot of ways, there's now uh, there's a skinny Pete type in in film auditions, and that's that's a pretty huge huge deal. Um, When I was auditioning for roles like Skinny Pete, um, there were a lot of the auditions I got were for a Steve Buscemi type. Um, and so, you know, that once I, the first time I saw an audition that had, you know, looking for a skinny Pete type, I was like, wow, that's just amazing. Um, and it's, the show's a gift that keeps on giving in a sense. I mean, nice. There's kids today who are just turning, you know, 17, 16, 17, who whose parents watched it when it came out and who maybe have, you know, heard of it, but, um, they're now just starting to watch it too and becoming huge fans of the show. And it's a uh, brand new to them. And I like, part of me kind of envies them to, to be able to experience all that for the first time. Um, and it's, you know, it's amazing I'm, You know, for such a out of the box kind of show. It really made such an impression and continues to make an impression on people in a way that, uh, I just, you know, I, I really love, um, and that they, Vince Gilligan and the writers of the show took care of Skinny Pete in a way that they didn't make him just some low-level fun- flunky, um, but gave him a hint of of a past and gave him a little bit of dignity uh, in the El Camino, Breaking Bad movie. Um I I just, I mean, I'll love that forever. Um,
0: Of course, and rightly so. Um, And then just in terms of the casting on Breaking Bad, then how did that all go down?
1: Well, you know, at first it was on um, a very little-known network, AMC. Um, It had been turned down by every other network before. As a show they weren't really sure how we managed to get like a second and third season Um, because it wasn't until the third season that it hit Netflix that the audience really started watching it. And a lot of shows would have been canceled um, with the kind of viewership that we had in the first two, uh, two seasons. And the first season was only seven episodes because we had a a writer's strike uh, happening at that time too. Um, and the writer's strike ended the season prematurely. Um, so there wasn't a lot of people trying to get on the show at first. Um, it was, uh, and my role was just supposed to be one episode, episode two um, in the first season. And I was just supposed to have, you know, four, three or four lines. Um, I was listed as the skinny stoner. Um and i auditioned for that in texas um from through a casting director who was in new mexico who used to be from texas and so i had worked with her i had auditioned for her before but then she packed up and moved her office to new mexico and when she was tasked with finding local actors for for the small roles um she had she asked us to tape a few of us in texas and dallas fort worth to take for the roles um when i first got the audition it was there were three um stoners listed there was a skinny stoner a tattooed stoner and a chubby stoner and um i went in and i i think i read for uh probably the skinny stoner but i went in dressed pretty much as skinny Pete ended up in the show, wearing, wearing the, the, the wife beater t-shirt and, um, and jeans. And, uh, and so I had tattoos that were visible on my first audition and I went in that went okay. And I came back. Uh, they called me back a few days later and sent me a new script. They had revised the script and the second script, They'd combined the skinny stoner and the tattooed stoner's lines into one character, and he ended up becoming the skinny tattooed stoner. And then also they had a chubby stoner, um, and uh, so I read for that skinny tattooed stoner. And honestly, I was—I think I was the only skinny tattooed person in the in the waiting room uh, for that audition in in Texas. Um, I found out later there were a lot of people who had auditioned for the same role, um, here in LA. Uh, but for budgeting reasons, it was easier if they, if they were able to cast it locally, they, they, they preferred to cast it locally. Um, and so I went in and they called and said, you got the part. And I was like, great. Um, I went and did my first episode and I, because i was established as a friend of one of the main characters jesse pinkman and i didn't know at the time that he was supposed to be killed off in the first season um but i i thought well you know i've been established as his friend and they didn't kill me or send me to prison so there's there's a good chance i could come back um but i wasn't hired you know for multiple episodes i was just hired for the one episode um and so I finished that episode, went home uh, with my fingers crossed, but you know, not really, not really sure what was going to happen next. And then they called me back and said, "Hey, uh, do you want to do another episode?" And I was like, "Yeah." Um, and incidentally, in that script for the second episode uh, that I was in, they had uh, me listed as a skinny stoner again, up until the moment when I go to introduce uh, Jesse to Tuco. And um, I yelled to the bodyguard, "Yo, man, I'm Skinny Pete." And from then on, any lines I had were listed as Skinny Pete. And I kind of went, "Ooh, this—they gave me a name that—that—that that, that means I'm—I'm—I might be coming back again." And so it just kind of kept going like that. Every time they brought me back, I was like, "Ooh, they might be me back again! Yay!" Um, and just kept hoping. And luckily, they did.
0: Wow, so that that I was going to ask you how the name like stuck, and so that that was that was kind of that iconic line that I I love that that bit where you say yo, yeah. yo man, I'm Skinny Pete. That's how it kind yeah. of happened.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was it was that simple. I, uh, and I'm not really sure you know why they decided on Skinny Pete. Um, uh, there was a, a character from the Italian Job. Uh, the new version with mark Wahlberg, um where skinny pete was was a gangster drug dealer but he was a very large samoan man um uh, and i don't know if that was you know part of it or not um but it was yeah i was happy that they just gave me a name
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah and and you mentioned um jesse pinkman aaron paul there what was what was that like of course working with him Closely, that must have been that must have been amazing as well
1: it was it was it was an amazing education for me i breaking bad was like maybe my fifth or sixth acting job and all the jobs i had were the same they were day player kind of jobs where you just come in do three or four lines and then you're out of the show um and i didn't really know aaron paul's work or Matt Jones, they had a lot more work on their belt. And they were both from LA. Um, I was from Texas. And I was like, ooh, you're from Hollywood. Um, what can I learn from you? And I, I'm like eight, nine years older than both of them. Um, so I was kind of the old man comparatively. Um, and so it, it was just kind of a strange dynamic. Uh, Aaron Paul's an amazing human being. Uh, and Matt Jones also, they're both just incredibly nice, incredibly kind, um, helpful in every way uh you could hope they would be. Um and uh it was a great learning experience for me. And the moments I got to spend watching Brian Cranston, uh, or the few moments I got to w- work with Brian Cranston were like they were better than a college education in acting, you know, just just being able to see how how he does it um, was huge
0: so no, amazing I love. yeah definitely <laughs> yeah. no no it's okay um i was just gonna say I, I love that i mean we only see it like online on instagram and stuff that they're always doing stuff together still i i, yeah. I really enjoy seeing that because that's yeah. uh, it's like it's such an iconic show and the fact that they've kept up that like i guess that duo um yeah is, uh, it's lovely to see isn't it yes it is it is i
1: mean and it and it makes sense and um, part of the reason I think Breaking Bad was so successful was because of how much the entire crew cast and crew producers, how much respect and and love we all had for each other and for the for the show we were making and that was a lot because of Brian Cranston and Vince Gilligan. Um, they were both uh, a lot like father figures to all of us. Um, and they were it was brian who really taught me that um in order to be a good lead actor you have to be a good leader um and that's what they really were they were both just great leaders and you put them together and uh you have an amazing group um and so it doesn't surprise me that aaron and brian continue because they they formed such a bond working together on that show um yeah i'd love to i i'd love to see them more often than i do but uh um even when when we all get together it's it's um we're still just like old friends it's amazing
0: yeah that, that's amazing that's amazing to hear <laughs> uh, and yeah. just in terms of like um so like obviously it's very professional but like when you're not shooting stuff and when stuff's not getting um scenes aren't getting created what was the i mean you said like it's like a family like behind the scenes but what was the was there any like corpsing on set or was the any um was it strictly very professional or was the a lot lot of jokes flying around how was the how was the energy
1: it it was for the most part really professional um i personally uh because i'm from texas i'm really new at the job i had been Told by one of the producers early on that um, every episode I do was my audition for m- my next episode, and that if they kill me off, I'll know why. It's because I'm not able to hold my own with these guys, and so I, as as a trained musical theater and you know Shakespeare kind of actor, I would not show up to the set unless I was completely 100 ready. Um, And so i showed up completely ready every time and did my best to not create any havoc and sometimes like uh, it's fun to play practical jokes on set and to make you know uh some some outtakes but i was afraid that i might do something that just pushed them over the edge and they were like we don't have time for this crap you know (laughs) um and so i just i was i tried to be as as like perfect uh and and boring as possible just so that i could continue to keep working because if if they went hey it's really funny but it took us you know an extra four hours to shoot that scene um that would (laughs) i don't think i would go so well so um, (laughs) i would have loved to have had more fun on the set i just i'd had no idea how to um brian was was usually fun but he wouldn't take our time on set um to do that, because I mean, it's it is fun to have outtakes, um, but really, it's it's uh, it's wasting people's time and part of our day. And you know, it may mean instead of doing you know 11 hours, we now have to do 12 hours. Or, um, and so uh, Brian would you know keep a lot of his joking on uh, in 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 the trailer area in at, at base camp um and would keep us laughing there because he what i loved about him was no matter how dar- dark uh, a scene was going to go no matter how you know how much emotion he needed to show um he didn't carry that around with him all day uh on you know at base camp and around um off stage he turned that on and off like a faucet um Otherwise, you know, he was he was just, you know, he was just a Brian. <laughs> he was uh more of Malcolm in the middle Brian Cranston than than Heisenberg Brian Cranston. <laughs> um so, yeah, yeah, he was
0: great. Yeah, and and, and I was gonna ask you this a little bit later on, but you mentioned like your your musical theater background. Mm-hmm. And what I one of the scenes I really enjoyed is when you and Matt Jones um Badger are pl- are playing together and you're playing the piano. And when I seen it, obviously years ago, I just you don't think about how oh, was actually playing that. And then I, I had a little look on YouTube, and of, of course, there you are playing piano amazingly well and stuff. And um, how, how did did you learn that? Like growing up, piano and stuff was that something you were taught? I I taught
1: myself. Um, uh, like I said, I earlier I had moved around every two years. I'd moved to new schools, um, and one of the things that uh, I realized later was that every school I moved to, I, I immediately gravitated to the to the music department or the drama department. A lot of times, it was the same thing. You know, if uh, if you were in the drama department, you were doing a musical, um, or if you were in the choir, you were going to be doing you know the musicals. Um, and I always found myself kind of gravitating towards that group, and they were t- tended to be the most um, inviting, um, accepting kind of group and um i had i had violin experience when i was really young my mom had me in violin lessons for a while until we couldn't afford it anymore and uh a couple of different schools that i went to kind of had this uh they had school bands, but the director would tell you what band, what instrument you're going to play. You didn't get to decide for yourself. And so I played trumpet for one band, and I played drums for another band. Um, and then I started joining choirs, and in choirs, I just kind of picked up piano. And uh, one of our choir instructors ended up having me doing, you know, scales for warm ups, and I just kind of taught myself how to play piano. Uh, until college. And when I got into college, I was going to be a music teacher. Um, I was studying music, music theory, and music education. And, um, I was in there as a, as a vocal, uh, uh, singing major. Um, but I took piano as uh, my secondary instrument and I took a, a class piano course for one semester and I learned a little bit more technique, but I'd already kind of ruined my technique uh, by teaching myself. Um, and so I just, I play for fun and I, I, I memorize songs and then I play them until I can't stand playing them anymore. And then I learn a new song. And um, when apparently one of the writers saw me playing piano backstage during uh, the, the narcotics anonymous scenes where we're we're selling uh, drugs openly <laughs> in, a, in a narcotics anonymous meeting um we had a lunch break and there was a piano at the at the locations so i was just doodling on the piano and one of the writers saw it and, and a few months later they called me up and said would you at all be interested in playing piano in a scene and i went absolutely and they said well send us a list of the songs that you're comfortable with playing and so i sent them a small list of songs that i could you know tinkle my way through and they they said "Solfeggietto, do that one please i was like absolutely like I, I can do one where i sing too and they're like no no just <laughs> just just sulfeggetto and so i i i practiced on it on my piano for a while but then i realized um they were having me do it on an electric keyboard and i didn't have a lot of experience on electric keyboards so i i would go to a guitar center um and just sneak into a guitar not really sneak in just walk into a guitar center like i was you know shopping around and i'd sit and play on there on a different electric keyboard um every time until i got used to playing on those and uh so that kind of helped me prepare for that. But I, I did. I worked on it for like three months uh, before they finally had to ask me to come shoot it. Um, at least a month, <laughs> one to three months. My my memory is kind of fuzzy. It's been a while. Um, but I worked on it every day for for a very long time. Uh, so I didn't like I said. I didn't want to hold them up and make them you know, feel like they were wasting time by hiring me. Um, <laughs> So I wanted to be as good as I can possibly do. Um Yeah, yeah, but it worked well, out really good.
0: Yeah, well, if you haven't, if anyone's listening that hasn't seen Charlie play the piano, then just get over to YouTube and have a little search because it is, he is, he is amazing at acting and at playing piano as well. Um, but very much. one of the one of the scenes that, like I mentioned earlier, that I was, I've seen Breaking Bad that often, but I like to go back and watch like clips and stuff. One of the clips that I. Love is um when you badger and Jesse are in together, but you and Badger just have a knows like what seemingly meaningful but not very meaningful chats about like I guess Call of Duty and Star Trek and you just talk right. about like video games basically. Yeah. And I just love like one of the top comments really made me laugh. It was like I would pay to watch Skinny Pete and Badger discuss video games every day if they were if they could do it is is do you, do you see like comments like that when you're like scrolling oh yeah and stuff? oh yeah yeah, i love it um yeah i
1: couldn't imagine um i one it would have to be written because i i can't even think like skinny Pete, much less <laughs> uh um improvise um matt jones is just amazing improv improv impro, improviser um he'd probably do pretty well at that but uh i would end up pretty like stuttering around a lot going uh yo uh yo um uh i do play some video games but lately it's been mostly video games that my 10 year old kid likes to play with me so they aren't call of duty kind of games um uh and so it would be fun but like, really it was skinny pete is really kind of such a different person than me in a lot of ways. Um and, and and the same, but like his um uh I I've always tried to not be like try to prove to people that I'm I'm really not Skinny Pete. Even before I was Skinny Pete, that was my my um just my goal was to convince people I'm really not that kind of dude. Um i had two brothers actually who were kind of that that kind of dude and i had always been told that i was going to be just like them um and i did not want to be just like them because they went to prison and i didn't want to go to prison um so i um i worked really hard to not be that stereotype and uh and then here we are where I'm like the, the epitome of that stereotype, you know, playing the epitome of that stereotype. But um, when I got that role, I was reading one of my lines. It was uh, the line where I had to say, yo man, I'm slinging Vo- mad volume and fat stacking Benji's, you know what I'm saying? I can't be all about like spelling and shit. Um, when I first read that line, I had no idea what the hell he was saying. <laughs> I had to kind of break it down and it reminded me of, there was a Delta spoof Delta commercial um, where it was a very white guy trying to use a very like black vernacular uh, to, to sell Delta airlines. And it just, it was really cheesy, but that was, that was me. It was like, yo, man, I'm slinging mad volume and fat stacking Benjies. You know what I'm saying? I can't be all about like spelling and shit. And I just, I was like, that's not right. That, he can't say it like that. <laughs> so I had to, I had to really kind of find Skinny Pete's rhythm and, um, and really kind of like, what does he mean when he says that's church? Yo, what is, what is, what is that? that's oh that's like the gospel truth i guess okay so and you know a lot of that had to go through um while i was building that character and now i have some of that vernacular i can use it but i'm kind of limited to the stuff that i've already had translated otherwise
0: um i'm in for a rough ride yeah and and you just mentioned some iconic lines there have you got a yeah. have you got a favorite from from breaking bad a favorite quote of yours
1: that one you know um that one's one of my favorites because i i it really kind of it was one of my bigger like long lines of dialogue uh so far in this show and it was such such a weird thing to have to say um, that I did. I realized that with his his dialogue, Skinny Pete's dialogue in particular, I need to I need to repeat it so many times out loud to myself that it slips off my tongue as if it's my normal type of speech. Um, and I worked on it so long and so hard. Like I don't think I could ever forget that line of dialogue. I've forgotten most di- lines of dialogue from almost every other show I've ever done, but that one will always stick with me um and i also love there was a moment where we we're talking about jesse's uh new apartment where i was like feng shui yo um and that one, that one always cracked me up you know just that skinny pete you know understood the concept
0: <laughs> <laughs> and is that like, so like when you i guess when you're walking down the street or whatever is, are those the type of stuff that people would say to you as they see you walking down the street
1: luckily i do not have that problem (laughs) i don't (laughs) uh most people don't recognize me without the hat on um and if they do it's usually kind of uh like where do i know that guy from until it's too late um a few times people have approached me and gone did i go to high school with you and i'm like no i don't think so um but yeah i don't get that um Matt Jones did have a problem with uh, from what I understand with every now and then as he's walking down the street in L.A., people would jump out and yell Riverdance, bitch, Um, which uh, I'm really glad I haven't had any experiences like that. But for, for the most part, while I was shooting Breaking Bad, I lived in Fort Worth, Texas, and nobody in Fort Worth, Texas knew who really knew who I was except for other actors um that were already there um and nobody you know who was a fan of breaking bad was expecting one of the actors from breaking bad to be walking around in fort worth texas so i rarely even got recognized um i actually spent one halloween with my daughter uh where she dressed up as a butterfly and i dressed up as skinny pete because i had accidentally taken home skinny pete's hat uh, the beanie, which they only had two copies of. And so they, they called me panicking, going, oh, please bring it back. I was like, don't worry, I will. Um, so I wore it for Halloween and dressed up as Skinny Pete and went around my neighborhood as Skinny Pete. And people actually would open the door and then kind of like dodge and then then realize that I'm there trick or treating. Um, and nobody even, they didn't even know what I was dressed up as because it was really big at first on the East coast and on the West coast, but it wasn't really big in America, middle America until, until Netflix. Um, So uh, I did not have to deal with any of that.
0: (laughs) That's amazing. I'd love to like um, speak to those people that were answering the door to to you and you were dressed as skinny Pete. I'd love to know now if they've now watched the show or, or or since they've watched the show and realized that that was the, that was the guy that knocked on our door uh, a couple of years ago. (laughs)
1: <laughs> probably not I, I i doubt if they'd even remember it it was just it was like oh some look this, this drug he's taking his daughter out that's good for him uh so we'll see
0: yeah yeah and and that kind of leads us into you mentioned it earlier the el camino uh film in, in 2019 how was how was that because of course like breaking Bad was so huge and so massive and then to to go back and and do a a film off off the back of it was was the a feeling of a, maybe it might be a risk I guess so that's kind of the feeling maybe I thought maybe going into it like because when you have such something that's so iconic you you don't want to go back and touch that at all but was how was you feeling going into it
1: um, I I have an, an immense amount of trust in Vince Gilligan. Um, I knew he wasn't going to do it just as a money grab and that he wouldn't have done it um, unless he felt it was worth it. Um, they called me up just kind of out of the blue. Uh, one of the producers called and said, hey, um, we'd like to talk to you. And I, I immediately thought they were calling me about Better Call Saul. And they were like, do you, do you know what this is about? And I was like, is it Better Call Saul? And they're like, no, um, we're, we're doing a breaking bad movie and i was like really uh they said we'd like you to come into vince's office in burbank and read the script um and tell us if you'd be interested in doing it um which that's that alone was just like an amazing just like wow they they want <laughs> they're not just going hey do you want the job or not they're like hey no come look at the script and tell us if you'd be interested and so i came and read the script and was blown away um it was such a uh, really f- for as an actor just skinny pete's role in, in the movie alone just was enough to make me go absolutely but the, i mean i thought it was a great ending for for jesse pinkman i thought it was a great story to tell um uh for that you know moment he finally gets out of that horrible situation and and finds his own bit of peace um so I I I think it was I think it was great um it might have been risky had it been someone else had it been just you know Oh we just want to see how much we can make off this um but they didn't seem like they were trying to do that it seemed like they just really genuinely had a story to tell um and wanted to really just give give not only Jesse but a lot of us some closure um and it, I think it worked
0: yeah massively i mean it was a a great film really yeah. like that it really capped off the end of um like some of the stories i guess the maybe a few loose ends that were yeah. Tra- trailing and it capped them goes yeah. off nicely. Um Charlie, I think we could speak about well, I could speak about breaking bad for, for another four hours <laughs> to be honest, but I know yeah. we I know we can't do that. So I need I right. need to force myself to move on to some other stuff. And I just wanted right. to talk about Brooklyn nine nine, because that was a that was a cameo that oh, I really yeah. enjoyed in 2017 Thanks. when you played George Judy. How did that um how did that experience happen? How did that all go down? Um
1: I don't, I think that was just kind of, they called me up and said, hey, do you want to do this? Um, And I was like, absolutely, like, to to play Craig Robinson's brother, um, I was like, yes! Um, (laughs) And so I went and um, did, did my thing. I was actually shooting two things, two shows at the same time a lethal weapon and that and so it was a really kind of busy time for me but I was just taking in as much as I could um I, especially working with uh, with that crew just watching and learning and um it seems like no matter how much work I do I still want to just learn as much as I can from everybody that I'm working with and um Greg's one of those dudes that you just and you could learn so much from just just by watching so i loved it it was an amazing
0: experience yeah and did, obviously like these mentioned craig Robinson and all the rest of the cast there how was how was the like the energy i guess on on that set was it amazing i imagine as well yes yes um like
1: i don't i, I didn't take a lot of improvisation classes i don't do a lot of comedy specifically um at least not on camera. It's what I did on stage a lot when I was doing theater, but then we got on the camera and it's like, oh, you're a drama guy. Um, And so I was kind of overwhelmed with just, because they were just kind of riffing off of each other and, you know, coming up with new lines and new jokes every time. And I'm like, I'm just, I'm going to stick to the lines you guys gave me because I don't think I can come up with anything funnier or better than what you guys are coming up with. Um, But it's, you know, like I guess say I was just trying to learn. I just uh, they were funny. They were all very kind. Um, they uh, and just hard work. I mean, they are hard workers. It's it's really hard to be funny sometimes.
0: <laughs> yeah, massively. I mean, I like like the the actors on that show, of course. it was a I guess similar with Breaking Bad. like a massive because it was so huge and so was and so was Brooklyn. It was like a. I guess a platform for for some of those um, actors to become even bigger. I guess.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was, um, yeah, it was just an honor to be to be a part of it. Just to say, you know, that I was a part of it. Um,
0: um I was just going to ask you about did you get to meet Andre Brewer? Of course. Um, yeah. He sad, sadly, passed away recently. I just wanted to ask you about him and if you got to meet him and stuff
1: yeah we didn't have scenes together but he was on set um we're kind of you know transitioning from one scene to another and he was he was hanging around before his stuff came and uh we were talking about um shakespeare uh because i was about to do um i was about to do a shakespeare uh adaptation um for film and uh he was very interested in you know hearing about it and we talked just a little bit about it and then we uh we i you know he had to go to work i had to go to work and we never really connected again But it was it was really nice he was um he was a very intelligent man and um and really not knowledgeable about the, the shakespearean uh theater which uh that's always like you're you're in with me if if you know about Shakespeare. I really don't know a lot about Shakespeare uh, 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 about his work. I've been in a several Shakespearean plays. My wife is the one who's really the the, the knowledgeable one and she just kind of like explains shit to me so I can do it <laughs> right. Um but uh uh Andre was yeah that was my only experience with him was was talking about playing Festi and and um it was uh it was really sad to see him
0: go just lastly in terms of before we get on to the um the questions that i'm going to ask every guest at the end i want of course i've got to ask about mandalorian because that was that was an amazing um yeah when when i saw you in that show that was just like i think one of those moments where social media goes a bit crazy and people are just like so happy that you you're I think I saw a tweet that I think someone said um, Charles Baker's got one of the best career, um, career arcs I've ever seen, and I was like, "That's actually really true." Like the stuff that you've you've been in and you, and you've been a part of is, I'd say Mandalorian, Brooklyn Nine Nine, and Breaking Bad are three of my all time favorites. Oh, um, wow. So. For you to be a part of all three of them that's why it's been so easy yeah. for me to talk today of course I could have, yeah we spoke for another two hours like i said but how right. was that whole experience for you in mandalorian oh that was that was
1: life-changing i mean like breaking bad was a huge deal but i had been a star wars fan since the beginning um i sitting right over here just to my to my right is my original return of the jedi sleeping bag that i had you know from 1980 know, something um it's uh 79 sorry 1979 is when that that was from um i was a huge star wars fan i had all of the action figures and um it was you know one of my escapes you know and that that childhood of constantly having to to adapt to new environments and i would just kind of sit and you know have my luke and leia and darth vader and um boba fett and uh it was you know c-3po um anthony daniels uh is one of the reasons why i studied mime um because he got that role because he had mime training and american acting schools don't teach mime so i I found a mime teacher and uh, um, worked at his theater for six years so that I could kind of get better at that. Because uh, between Anthony Daniels and, um, and some other actors, uh, Bob Hoskins, one who framed Roger Rabbit, Johnny Depp, they all had mime training. But Anthony Daniels was the first one that I had like, heard of. who was like, oh, he trained as a mime so he could get that role. And that's an iconic role. And it's like he did so much with it. Um. So, I mean, it's influ- influenced so much of my life. When I first moved to LA about 11 years ago, I had already done Breaking Bad. Um, I moved to LA right before the final episode of Breaking Bad filmed. Um, and when I moved here, I didn't have an agent at first, I just had a manager. Um, and my manager and I were trying to find an agent and it took a few months before we found an LA agent um and i went and had a meeting with them once they you know they agreed to meet with me and and they said well what do you want to do i said well if there's anything star wars still going on um i want to be a part of that i forgot to mention my wife and i our first date was the phantom menace um (laughs) we saw it twice the same week (laughs) um so uh it's been a big part of my life um and when I told my agents 11 years ago, I was like, I want to be a part of the Star Wars universe. Um, they were like, well, okay. <laughs> um, and so the 11, 10 years after that, um, I get an audition for an untitled Disney project. Um, and the script, it was a dummy script. It was, um, it was, as an actor, when I get a script, I, I if I don't get the full script, I only get just my dialog and the scenes that I'm in. Um, I kind of have to deduce from what I can read in the, you know, in the subtext, what what it is, what the story is about. And so I I did some research based on names and locations that were using in this dummy script, and I thought it was going to be set in the American Revolution um, somewhere in like uh halifax area northern uh north canada kind of east side um and so that's what i auditioned in my brain that's what i was auditioning for was like a serious kind of like hard drama uh set in a you know period a period piece um It mentioned uh swords, it didn't mention blasters, it mentioned, you know, it said we were on a on a ship that had been shipwrecked, and you know, it was all kind of like hints about it being this other (laughs) totally different thing. So I did that's what I auditioned for. Um and then my agent calls and he says, Hey, uh you, you got the part in Mandalorian for and I all I heard was you got the part in Mandalorian. And I just then I went to that that ring kind of thing and my wife was standing next to me and she heard that and she started screaming and i was like okay wait you have to start again what <laughs> and he said yeah dude, that thing you audition that was for mandalorian he's like you didn't know I was like you didn't tell me um and so uh, i thought it was just a civilian you know it just said survivor and so i you know i went they called and said "Um, I mean, we need you to come in to get fitted for your costume and i went in to go get fitted and they were doing like measurements of like every inch of my body and then someone came in and put a helmet a mandalorian helmet on the table and i was like who's who's that for and they were like what you don't know or like what she's like no you're you're one of the mandalorians i was like what wow. and again just ringing ringing <laughs> like, just and you know they put me in a full mandalorian get up and showed me the art concept art for the character and kind of explained what and i was i was just kind of lost um <laughs>
0: i can <could> go on <laughs> i don't know it's, it's, it's amazing like you said if you've got something um that you've been so passionate about for like you said for so long and then it actually yeah happens that's something that yeah it takes it probably takes a while to to actually sink in um and and, and acclimatize that but like in terms of i've I've asked you like a similar question on the on the other stuff but like what was the i guess what was the what was the energy like on on set with the with with the cast
1: it was amazing like everybody there was was a fan like um and we're all just kind of like giddy living in living our childhoods again um uh, Dave Floney uh Dave and John Favreau um and Rick would show up like every day and we would they would kind of discuss the history and the lore uh the canon behind the what we were shooting that day and sometimes that would get into like you know 20 minute long conversation about <laughs> how we got to this point you know um and I i had been doing this for 10 years at this point you know 15 years at this point and i was it was like the first time i'd ever been to a set i was just so overwhelmed you know seeing stormtroopers walking around and you know standing next to grogu and um <laughs> just like it was overwhelming and i like i i was barely able to keep my mind on what i was supposed to be doing because i was constantly just like oh my god am i really here like it was (laughs) it was it was crazy um i'll never forget it i hope i hope i get to come back i don't know anything at all right now but i hope i get to go back to that world um there was uh we did a lot of stunt stuff. And, um, we apparently had the option to have a stunt double come in and do our work because we were wearing helmets and you couldn't see our faces. And I didn't really realize that we had that option. So I showed up every day myself and I'm like 51 years old and all these other stunt doubles are in their twenties and just running circles around me. Um, but I was like, I wouldn't give this up for the world. I don't care if you never see it. Like I am like running down a hallway shooting a blaster at stormtroopers right now. This is like oh, you're paying me to do this too. I'm not paying you to do this. You're paying me to do this. This is crazy. So yeah.
0: yeah. That the like you said, it's the stuff of, of dreams, isn't it? So it's it's yeah, something that it really is. Yeah, yeah. Um and again, I, I keep saying this, but we I could speak to you for another Oh, I'm sorry. I,
1: I, I will. I will talk for another hour too. I, just, <laughs> I wish I had the time.
0: No, I've I've just got a few quick ones. Um, yeah, you don't have to give like long answers. On it. It's just it's just like a I'll just like try. a pe- a person um a career section and like a personal section. So it's like okay, uh, favorite shows and stuff. So uh, just moving on to some of the questions that I'm going to ask every yeah. guest. um Just more related to your favorite shows and and films going up. What was your what was your favorite TV show and or film growing up? Ooh,
1: um, that's a tough one. Um, I loved I loved Willow. Uh, when I was I was in my teens, um, and The Goonies came. I was, Goonies, I think, was one of my first date movies. Um, Willow was also. I don't know why uh, I had a, just a. I love fantasy kind of movies like that. Um, Watership Down was another one of my favorite childhood movies that I remember. Uh, I was a TV junkie. I didn't, I don't know that I had a favorite TV show. I watched TV a lot, um, you know, uh, and it was all the old stuff that uh, was, a lot of it was made before I was, you know, it was reruns of, of um, Happy Days and the Jeffersons and, uh, uh, Samford and Son and Gilligan's Island, and you know, things like that. So, it's, it was a very varied uh, group of shows. Um, yeah, yeah, those are some of my
0: favorites, and uh, Star Wars films, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Um, and then I guess just linked that slightly. Um, mm-hmm. you what who were your favorite actors, um, growing up and who you looked up to?
1: Oh, that's, that's another varied list. Um, I think at first, one of the first ones was probably Peter Sellers, uh, the Pink Panther. Uh, cause, and I mentioned that cause I realized Pink Panther was probably one of my favorites as, as a young child, just, uh, um, but Peter Sellers. I loved the, um, the Three Stooges, uh, even though they were way past, you know, my, my time. Um, way before my time uh, uh Abbott and costello were, were another group that I, I enjoyed watching as a kid um that was when i was really young uh and then it kind of kind of blossomed from there to just pretty much anybody who worked in the business had my respect <laughs> yeah
0: yeah and again massively um like you said if you're influenced by those type of people as well that are always going to be uh influential in in your mm-hmm. life um and I guess l- linked to that a little bit I guess um and you've probably already answered this one with Mandalorian because we know we know you're a massive fan of of that world yeah. but if yeah. you could star in any any TV show or film ever which 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 would you pick
1: ooh Yeah, that's a tough one. Honestly, just more as a a practical thing, it would probably be something like – mash um just because it was one of the longest running shows <laughs> <laughs> in the history of television and, and I'm, I'm at that point where i would really love a stable job for for you know 10 12 years doing doing the same playing the same character and just knowing that i could get up and go to work every day for for a while and not wonder where my next job's going to come from and having to go beg for another one next week uh <laughs> that's uh, something like that um but i like i can't really i think all of the ones that i loved they were perfect because of the way they were um and uh i to, okay let's I'll, I'll be honest i really would have loved to have had hayden christensen's job um as uh, anakin skywalker uh I, I was close to the right age i definitely had the right look i wasn't tall enough maybe but uh i um I hadn't really started my my on-camera acting career yet but I was really really jealous of uh of him for getting that role cuz I thought I would have been great for that.
0: <laughs> definitely. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, amazing. And uh, well we can kind of wrap it up then uh, Charlie yeah. if, that, if that if that's all right. Um, yeah, yeah. Perfect timing. Know, that was episode 2 with the amazing Charlie Baker. If you enjoyed the show Please leave a rating or a review on whichever audio platforms you're listening on. And if you have time, please share it on social media too. It would be very much appreciated. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week with episode 3.